day to you. This is Frank Shelton bringing you another leadership podcast. Today is Leadership 140. Hard to believe this is our 40th episode, and I pray they've been a blessing to you where we talk about life, leadership, have some laughter, but really hit life lessons. You know, I've always said leadership is usually caught more than taught. Pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee. This is the program just for you. I also want to give a shout out to my dear friend Cornell Eloy, and he's from Phoenix, Arizona. He's a dear brother, a dear friend to me, and uh, I just got news that he's been in the hospital, and he's uh, very sick, and we're praying the blessing for him. Um, He's probably brought me to Arizona four times to speak at Averis events, and um, even flew me to Bucharest, Romania, his native homeland, and had me speak at a couple events in Bucharest. So I'm dedicating this podcast to my dear friend Cornell, his beautiful wife Coca, and there are three grown children in a world of cubic zirconias. They are the genuine article. Today I want to talk to you about personal integrity, personal integrity. I said one time um, at a group in Tampa, Florida, if you have a chance to drive a brand new Infinity or develop integrity, work on your integrity. Your private integrity is more important than the public infinity. Nothing against the car, and I'm not hoping the manufacturer sues me. It's not only a play on words, but the fact is integrity will take you further on the road of life than any high-end SUV luxury sports car. You could call it anything. It could be a Benz, it could be a Bentley, it could be a Beamer. It could be a Corvette, Camaro, Chevelle. It could be a Ferrari. Lord knows it ain't a Fiero. But that is integrity. Kit cars are all show but no go. They may parade themselves as a Ferrari, but you get under the hood and it's a Pontiac Fiero. Um, The only difference is, is a couple hundred horsepower, a lot more money, and you may save a few on car insurance. But hear me. Cheaper is not always better. You get what you pay for. And as CEOs, as corporate executives, as clergy, as coaches, whatever your profession, we need more of character, not less. We need more integrity than anything else. Um, I want to challenge you to focus on things that are pure. The Bible said whatever is lovely or noble or of good report, think of these things. We need to get a checkup from the neck up. Some of us have stinking thinking, you know, garbage in, garbage out. They say you are what you eat. Show me your diet, and I'll show if you'll live or die. You drop the T in diet, it spells die. But I just want to encourage you to think good things. You will become good things. And uh, here's a word for someone. The word devil, drop the D, it spells evil. The word good, drop an O, it spells God. There's nothing evil about God, but there's nothing good about the devil. So you have two options. It's not if you're voting Republican, Democrat, if you want to be rich or poor, if you're black or white. It's are you going to live whole and pure and clean, or are you going to just live a downward spiral that lays leads to decay, desperation, depression, you might as well throw in death because it's a dead end. I want to encourage you when I talk about thinking and looking at things that are pure, I was at a Cracker Barrel with a dear friend from Houston, Texas, Dr. Johnny Pope, and uh, he has more stories than Mother Goose. I just love illustrations 
that lead of inspiration. Um, and I asked him, Dr. Pope, give me one of your better life leadership lessons. And he shared with me this true story. Do you know if you use other people's material in college, it's called plagiarism, but in the corporate world, it's called research. Can I get an amen? I want you to learn from this leadership lesson today, and this is not a laughing matter. He shared a story of a deacon of a large church in Texas that the grandfather had inherited the patent of his ancestor who made these drill bits that would dig deep into the heart of Houston soil. They did one thing, hoping to strike oil. They were $100,000 a piece for the drill bits. And I remember thinking, how can you afford a hundred grand? Well, you strike oil once, they pay for themselves. And the man inherited the patent, humble man, but just enormous wealth came into his possession. And he bought a 12,000 square foot colonial mansion with the Corinthian columns, with the electric gates, the oval driveway, the fountain in the yard, the gone with the wind staircase, like from the movie. The home was named, I believe, Terra. You could come up either side, the marble floors, the eight car garage. And he was getting death threats and he was not using retired secret service. Sometimes it's bragging rights. If you used to protect the man, it's a privilege to say you protect the estate or the family. He was not using infrared alarm systems. Um, he was using Rottweiler and German Shepherd dogs. They were not your normal dogs. In 1988, not last week, 30 years ago, he was buying Rottweilers and a German Shepherd that were born and bred in Germany. They were 15,000 apiece. Two dogs, two pets for $30,000. I don't care if your mother Teresa, if one of those dogs got hit by a UPS truck, I doubt the first words out of your mouth would be doggone. The interesting thing is he was getting death threats and he bought these dogs. They were the best of the best, the best that money could buy. They were not only a man's best friend, they would protect you to the very end. The Houston Chronicle caught wind of this and said, we think it's ridiculous. Why would you pay 30 grand for two pets to secure the house? I've always thought it was interesting that other people try to tell you how you should spend your money. Something should just be left alone. The interesting thing is when the reporter came over, he said, I'd like to study, I'd like to survey, and I'd like to write a report on your foolish security measures. The wealthy man humbly said, my house is yours. When the reporter got to the palatial mansion, the first thing he noticed, it was mandatory that the owner beat the dog to the door. Why? God has mercy, but the Rottweilers don't have to. If someone ever got through the front door of the house without hearing the password, which was the owner or family member whispering or screaming the word friend, the dog was trained to jump at the jugular vein of a human's neck and they would not let go. The other thing is, is the reason the owner beat the dog to the door because when he said friend, the dogs were trained so well to leave that the owner and the guest could have fellowship, commune, and have a conversation without being interrupted. The dogs were trained so well, they didn't walk on the Persian rugs or the marble floor. There was a cheap plastic linoleum. When I was little, my mom would, there was one room we were never allowed to go in. It was the living room and had this nice um, carpet and she had this plastic runner that we only even went in if there were guests. It was almost like the only time we had a nice cherry pie or strawberry shortcake or 
ice cream cake is when we had guests. I used to can't wait for more guests to show up. Can I get an amen? Maybe you can relate. But the dogs were trained to tiptoe on the linoleum, but I'm still thinking for 30 grand, did they know how to wax the Ferrari? The interesting thing is the owner said these words, he had a stainless steel sub-zero refrigerator. It had a combination on it. You want a, your partner or spouse or significant other to lose weight? Buy one of these Sub-Zero refrigerators. Change the lock every day. It will throw them for a loop. You got to lose weight. The interesting thing is he said, my dogs have not eaten in three days. That's 72 hours. And watch this. And he slid two 12-ounce T-bone steaks underneath the nostrils of the Rottweiler and the German Shepherd. And the owner asked the reporter to come outside and they began to small talk and talk. And for 15 minutes they were out there and the reporter said, hey, I want to go in and can't wait to see those dogs and that they devour those steaks. You tell me they haven't eaten 72 hours. The owner said, quote, we're never here to tease. We don't tempt, but on rare occasion, we test the dogs to see how they're doing. And they went inside and more to the reporter surprise than the owner surprise. Both T-bone steaks were untouched. The dog's eyes were still perfectly parallel in the back of that mansion. And they would not stare at the steak because it was so tempting. And one of the dogs was shaking, almost going to convulsion, that saliva was dripping onto the T-bone steak. We have to be careful what we look at because it has been said, what you look at is usually what you want to act out. And um, the dogs had their eyes perfectly parallel in the back of the palatial estate. And without prolonging it any longer, without a second to spare, remember this, God's always in a hurry but he's always, always on time. He snapped his fingers, pointed to the stake as if to say, you've been patient, you can have it. And within 3.4 seconds, both T-bone stakes were devoured. The reporter got excited, jotted down a couple notes and said, how did you get them to do that? And he said, yes, the dogs are expensive. Yes, they're born and bred in Germany. Yes, they're 15 grand a piece and humbly they're the best that money can buy. But the reason for my dog's success is ever since they were little, they've been trained to keep their eyes on the master. And we need to focus on the fundamentals. Our eyes have to be on the prize. And we need to be looking not only at leadership, but things that are lovely, things that are pure, things that are wholesome. Because I wanna tell you, many leaders are succeeding professionally, but failing personally. You're only as good as your private time. What do you do when nobody's looking? Are you willing to do what's right because it's convenient? Are you willing to do right because it's of character? I'm telling you, multiplied millions of leaders have fallen off the bandwagon, have fallen off the platform, have fallen off the track. Why? Because in their private life, they not only had skeletons, they were content looking at things that were not wholesome. Pornography is a billion dollar industry. It may be legal, but I realize it is not moral. I'm gonna be completely transparent. There was a season in my life that I even got hooked up in looking at things that were not appropriate, that were not pure. It will take you away from your wife. It will take you away from your dream. It will take you away from your focus. I've never found anything good that happens from alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling, private sin. Let's call it what it is. 
We've all made mistakes. But whether you're at the top of the food chain, you're an employee in the middle, or you're homeless and looking for a job, I'm telling you, you cannot win when you delve in private sin. Be careful what you look at because you will act out what you see. I want to encourage you now to do an inventory. This is a tough, harsh podcast, but true friends will tell you not what you want to hear, what you need to hear. Take an inventory, an Excel spreadsheet, not of your portfolio, but your private life. Is there an area that you need to screen, uh, scrub, clean, delete permanently? Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to help you. But with alcohol, one's too many and a thousand's not enough. You know, you want to really be high in life and it's not heroin, it's embracing heaven. And I'm telling you, we should not lust. The difference between love and lust, lust is what we're trying to get. Love is what you're willing to give. If you genuinely love someone, you will pray for them, not push them. You will not demand of them, but you'll give to them. You want to help out. You're not trying to hurt and take. So I want to challenge you more than ever because all of us are aspiring leaders. Live with integrity because I'm telling you, there's a lot of folks living in a big house, in a big car, in big bank budgets, but are really small behind closed doors.